Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119, good to have a few folks here with us tonight that are helping with the service. Appreciate you being here and also you joining live stream. Please share the, the message tonight and hopefully to be an encouragement. Psalm 119 is where we're going to take the time to read the whole chapter tonight. And I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But uh, but it is a very long chapter. And uh, we're going to uh, just be uh, talking about several things, as I mentioned uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking about some priorities that uh, I hope that God will help us uh, to make uh, this year of 2021, if we haven't already, and I trust that many of us have, and hopefully all of us, but nevertheless, just with all the things going on politically and, and with COVID still very much on the scene, very strongly, uh, just a lot of things going on in our world uh, don't want us to lose what is most important. And uh, prioritizing things in our life is what I really want to do. And, and uh, in my own life, and I, and I hope we can all do that you know, together. And uh, as a church, just make sure we don't get uh, sidetracked because that, that is easy for us to do. But Psalm 119, verse 37, with me please. Psalm 119, verse Number 37, one verse here says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in, the, in thy way. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 119, verse 37. The Bible says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. You know, this verse right here, that word that you see, vanity, is basically could also be translated uh, worthlessness. Things that aren't worth anything. Um, basically, you could also look at it as that which might be waste. And it's a, a prayer of David that we should all pray that, Lord... Deliver me and turn away my eyes and my life from beholding that which is worthless. That which is not going to profit me in this life and profit your glory. And he, and he goes on to say that as you turn my eyes away from that which is worthless and a waste, he says, he goes on to say, and Quicken thou me. That word quicken is the idea where we get our word revive. Revive thou me. And I love the way this says. In thy way. So he's saying, Lord, help me to take my eyes off beholding things that are going to be worthless and useless and unprofitable. And Lord, get my eyes on that which is going to be in your way. That are going to be according to your way. They're going to be according and pleasing to your ways. That are going to accomplish that which you have set out for me. That which you have planned for me. I am grateful that the Lord is, as we sang about it just a moment ago, the Lord is loving and merciful and He works with us. And uh, He's patient with us, is He not? Can I get an amen right there? i got several amen corners here. We were talking about that earlier. Some are silent amen corners, but it's okay. They're still saying amen. It's just not real loud. 
But I, I hope that we realize this morning that there, there are some priorities in our life that we need to make sure are in place. Tonight's message is entitled this, Prioritize and Execute. Prioritize and Execute. In their book, Extreme Ownership, Jocko uh, Willink and Leif uh, Babin, uh, they uh, had a chapter entitled, Prioritize and execute. Uh, they the they teach in the Navy SEALs in training. They teach that amid the heat of battle, there are many directions your mind is wanting to go. But it is of the essence to prioritize that which is most important. This prevents the the combat soldier from getting caught up in trying to do too much. So at any given time when this when the, when the battle is going on, the combat soldier could see a hundred things that need to be done at that moment. But what's most important? And I believe as believe as as believers of the gospel and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are many times where honestly there are many things that we could be doing, and some of them are even good. But what it is, it's not what we should be doing at that time. It's not the priority. And I, I want to submit to you this this evening a few things that I think that need to be at the forefront of our heart and mind. Let's identify the highest priorities of the Christian life. I do believe that we can identify two of them very quickly that the Lord sums up for us in Mark chapter 12. Go over there, there to the Gospels, the New Testament, Mark chapter 12, Matthew, Mark. Second book there of our New Testament, chapter 12. Notice two commandments that our Lord gives here. In verse 29, we see that Jesus answered him, one of the scribes who had come to him, uh, basically uh, trying to uh, trip him up in some ways. and and uh, But the Lord knew better. The Lord knew what was going on. But the Lord made a very clear statement that sums up uh, what the priority of, of, the, of the Christian, of the child of God should be. And notice what he says in verse 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all, the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And get this. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Alright? That is the first and greatest commandment for all believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the priority of life. Nothing is to override that. Nothing is to replace that. Our priority is is to love our God with everything that we are, with all our being. And notice what the second command is. It says here, and the second is like, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice the next statement. You can underline this in your Bible. There is none other commandment greater than these. No other commandment in the Word of God that's greater than the two that Jesus stated very clearly here. 
And upon these two commandments, I'd like to give you three priorities. The third one is the first two combined. But I'd like to notice, first of all, the first priority in every believer's life is, is our personal walk with God. Our personal walk with God. Now, I will say the number one priority for all humans, all, the, all of uh, uh, the people of the world, every single human being, is to come to know Christ as Savior. Now, that's the first priority. You can't walk with God until you come to trust Him as Savior. That's when the walk begins with God. So if you're in the category of you're still an unbeliever and uh, the first step for you and the first priority is to trust Christ before it's eternally too late. But for those of us that have trusted Christ and the gospel and put our faith in him, the first priority that is, is to be the first priority for, from the day we are believers until the day God calls us home or calls us uh, from the clouds and the rapture and, and we go, go out of here. But it should be our personal walk with God. That what is a personal walk with God look like? In fact, where does that phrase come from? Walk with God. You've heard that. Boy, that individual really walks with God. Well, I know that I was around that individual and I got to know them and I've seen them. And well, they have a testimony of walking with God. Well, the phrase is used with only two people that I'm aware of. There may be another one that I'm missing, but the, the two that I have seen scripture refer to people walking with God with that phrase using they walked with God was Enoch and uh, in the book of Genesis and also Noah. Enoch and Noah, uh, the spirit of God saw fit to put in there that specifically used the term they walked with God. Now, we know there are many other uh, examples in Scripture of people who walked with God, but that was the only ones that I know of that that actual phrase uh, was used. But they did have an outstanding testimony uh, of loving the Lord and obeying the Lord. Uh, They were not they were not sinless, but they did have a personal walk with the Lord. My friends, I want to encourage you tonight. How much do you prioritize your personal walk with God? Let's be honest tonight. There are times that we do grow stagnant, do we not? There are times that we get in a rut. Perhaps there are times we've just been doing the same old thing and we feel like we're just checking time. And it, and it just becomes boring. Our walk with God becomes redundant. Just going through the motions. And I know that we are all human and that does happen, but that is not to be the norm. God is God is desires for us as he is working in us to make us known of that, uh, make known uh, that known in our lives so that we can make adjustments so that we can reevaluate our own hearts and lives and to see what kind of effort are we putting into our personal walk with God. It, It is it is, by the way, our walk with God is something that we learn I would almost say that walking with God is is you could uh, liken it to an art, an art. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, I think of someone that plays the piano. Uh, Our pianist, uh, Noelle Swafford, is just an accomplished pianist. She just uh, plays beautifully, does a wonderful job. 
But one thing that I do know, if, especially if I asked her, I'm pretty sure I know what the response would be. She's been playing for many years, probably started taking lessons as a young young lady, as a young girl and, and through the years. And, and to this day, as she grows in her ability to play the piano, her uh, she increases her ability. She has not stopped learning. She has not stopped practicing as she learns new arrangements and different things like that. And you could use that illustration for for any musician. And, and there is never a day where a true musician is stops learning. And I want to tell you, there is no stopping point and no time where we stop in learning how to walk with God. It is it is to increase. It is something that we put the effort to. You could even say this. We practice walking with God <laughs> a daily practice. And sometimes we have bad practices. And I, I get that. It's true, but it's something that we are to never just get stagnant in and get complacent in to such a degree where we are just mediocre children of God who are just settling for bare minimum. No, our personal walk with God is to be vibrant. Now, does that mean that we have this lightning bolt experience and hear thunder and flashes and, man, we're on cloud nine every time we have our devotions? No. Sometimes you are just doing everything to keep your eyes open and your head, you know, you're not doing your nods and and uh, trying to stay alert. I understand that. That element is true. But the fact of the matter is that should not be the norm. We should be in a place where God is helping us to love His Word more. And if we have to change our routine or change our habits around in such a way where we get out of that rut, we got to do that. we got to put forth the effort and asking the Lord to help us in that time. Have you ever heard of anybody learning to walk from birth? No, of course not. I mean, I, let, me, let me ask you this. Do any of you remember not walking, being able to walk? Anybody here? I mean, does anybody, anybody here recall there was a time where you didn't walk? No, you don't remember that. Uh, there are some of you that, uh, that maybe were like me, where you yeah, broke an ankle or a leg or something, and you sort of had to relearn to walk. Uh, but nevertheless, no, that, that would have been a long time ago. But there was a time where, of course, all of us did have to learn to walk. And and we walked little by little, but no person has ever been born ready to walk. Now, we know there are some animals that are that way, uh, that pretty much from birth, they're able to start walking. Well, as humans, we it takes time. In fact, I did a little research just wondering how what was the what is the earliest age that somebody walks? And I found it interesting uh, that uh, I read an article about little uh, Freya Mentor from the UK who started walking at just six and a half months old. Now, you may know somebody that started walking earlier than that. I'm not sure, but that's still pretty early. And they actually have a video of it. It's, she's so tiny and it's adorable, but she is so little. And she, here she is just walking, following her mom or dad around. And uh, it's pretty amazing uh, to see that. And it's something that I'm sure her parents worked with and helped her. But here's my point in this. We learn to walk. 
And and we learn to walk as we grow up as adults. Sometimes we just take it for granted that we are able to walk. And and, 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 and in life, I do believe sometimes as, as children of God, after we've been saved for a while, sometimes we get the idea that we learn how to walk with God and we just take it for granted and we just go through the motions and it doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. It is not having a whole lot of impact on my life. My behavior is not changing in life. My heart and holiness are not growing. And I'm just I'm just not walking with God if that's the case. And what I need to do is I need to seek to strengthen my walk. I appreciate uh, people. I got this one guy that in my neighborhood, I kid you not. Um, I talked with him briefly, uh, you know, when he passes by my driveway. But I would say if I had to take a guess, he was probably in his 70s. And um, I kid you not, this man is faithful in his walking routine. He puts me to shame the way he holds a, a, a schedule of exercising. I'm telling you right now, rain or shine, below freezing, that man is going to be out walking. I've seen him with uh, in the summertime on hot days, hot mornings. He'd be out there in uh, late hot evenings, very humid, sticky. You know, his here in Georgia. He's going to be out walking. I've seen just recently in the past couple of years in the winter times, it can be freezing cold. He has a big, thick stocking cap on and he's got a big, thick winter coat. And he's got these big, thick winter gloves and he walks and he doesn't walk real fast, but he does walk steady. And, and, and he walks and he, and you can tell that he is going to accomplish that which he has set out to do. And I believe he's doing that to strengthen his body, to strengthen himself. And I got a lot of admiration for that man. I look up to that man. I really do. And I've told him that before as he passed by. And it's kind of funny because he just, he doesn't really say much. He just kind of gives a nod, you know, like, thank you. All right. But, but nevertheless, what does that show me? Here's a man at his age getting out doing that because he wants to take care of his body. He wants to continue his strength and his walk. But I want that to be my life and my testimony as a believer. I want my walk with God to be strengthened. I wanted it to be consistent. I don't want to give up on it. I don't want it just to let it to be depending on the weather. I just don't want it to let it be when I just have time. I don't want it just to be kind of here and there and not really caring that much about it, whether it happens or not. I want to be consistent. I, I do seek to care about my walk with God, and I hope that that is a priority of ours. Are we going to prioritize our personal Bible reading and prayer time? You know, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, using this book right here. And... Uh, I have not been perfect in filling it out, but I, I've been sticking with it. And each day I, I try to read my chapters and try to make some notes. Sometimes I have, sometimes I haven't. Because like I told you before, the point is not to fill in bondage to this book. It's a tool. It's an, a way for our church to read together. But I want to tell you, reading these verses and the Word of God has been so encouraging. And it has been a blessing to think of the brethren that are reading it together. And as we are, God is speaking to our hearts. But the point is, is not just this book, but it could be anything. God could, you could be using anything right now. But the point is, are you? 
Have you picked a book in the Word of God that you're reading through? That you're not just letting it be random, but you are purposeful and making it a priority. Picking a book of the Bible, whether it be the first John or whether it be the gospel of John or whether it be the book of Genesis, wherever it may be, your personal Bible reading. And then also your prayer time. You know, I think about our walk with God. Our personal prayer time is so important. And one of the things I want to encourage you to, to realize that how can you strengthen your prayer life? Because, again, we're going back to our just our general walk with God, right? We're not just going to settle. We don't want to just walk as baby Christians. We don't want to just wobble around as Christians. We're seeking to strengthen our walk and, and with, with God and to, until the day He calls us home. And so how can we do that in our prayer life? Well, let me ask you this. Do you have a list? Do you have a list? Because with a list, you can pray intelligently. And what I mean by that is that we in our, in our finite minds can forget things very easily. But when we have a list that's organized, it helps tremendously to remember people to pray for. And in my prayer routine that I, that I try to follow, I don't do it perfectly, but I have a, a, a list of names that, that deals with, with people who, um, who are without Christ. People that I know have not trusted the gospel yet, trusted the Lord as their Savior. I have a, a, a day that they are designated for. Then I have family members, and then I, then I have friends, and then there's church members, and, and, and then there is missionaries. Then there are missionaries. And so what I'm asking God to help us is to have a renewal and, and growing in our prayer life. Making notes of when we come to that name and when we come to that family, we can make notes that we prayed for them or something specifically they're dealing with and write it out. That is a way to pray. Not only having a list, but what about a place? Do you have a place? A place that you meet with God? Wherever it might be. If we don't get consistent with a place, it's going to be hard to get in a habit. Choose your place, friend. Whether it's your recliner, or whether it's your couch, whether it's your bed, whether, wherever it is, your kitchen table, you find out what works best for you, where you can clearly read the Word of God and, and, uh, and let God speak to you, but where you form a habit of doing that. Now, you've got to be careful about doing your devotionals in your bed, uh, because you can uh, find very quickly that uh, you do have dreams. And, and why doing your devotions, okay? But I don't think there'll be revelations from God. I'm here to tell you, I think there'll be whatever. But nevertheless, you got to be careful with that. But then not only a list and not only a place, but brethren, I think it's good to pick a time. Some prefer the morning devotions, some prefer evening. I, I do tend to uh, encourage people to pick the morning time, at least in some way, even if it's for a short time, because there is something about uh, following a truth in the Word of God of putting God first and, and the first of the day. He's the first one I talk to, the first one I try to listen to, and, and that there's a, just a priority that God has on my day. But that may not be your thorough devotions. That might be later on. But nevertheless, there needs to be a time that we designate and seek to try to be consistent with. 
Uh, if you're like me, at the end of the day, my mind is, I'm worn out, I'm exhausted, and I, I just don't really feel like doing my devotions. And uh, there's really no desire. You say, wow, pastor, you're a pastor. That doesn't sound very spiritual. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, I pretty much just want to relax, hang out, whatever, and, and just go to bed. Uh, that's not my time to do devotions, I'm here to tell you. Mornings would be my time. But nevertheless, the most important thing is, is that you pick a time. Because why? It's a priority. The next thing is, as far as when you pick that time to pray, how do you pray? How do we pray? Well, let me give you this thought here. This, uh, I got this from uh, Steve Pettit, uh, who will be speaking at the couples retreat here in uh, several weeks uh, there at the Wilds. But he gave uh, this acronym here, PRAY. Uh, PRAY. Uh, very appropriate, of course, but P stands for praise. R stands for repent. A stands for ask. And Y stands for yield. So that can be your prayer time. When you come to the Lord after you've read some verses in your, your Bible, you think of pray. All right. You go to the Lord. The first thing you do is you praise God. Praise Him for who He is. Oh God, um, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Holiness unto You. There's a praise aspect of just thanking God of who He is. God, thank You for saving me. Thank You for making me who I am today. There's a spirit of praise. And then there is repent. That's a time to confess. And you say, Lord, as I come to You, I just do pray You'd forgive me of my sins. Sins that I've had and sins that I've committed and I pray you just cleanse me as a believer of yours and you agree with God or whatever it is that it was wrong. And so you just uh, just repent. And then after you've taken some moments to repent, then you go to the ask part. God wants his children to come and ask him for things. He delights it when when we come and say, Lord, uh, you know, this is a need in my life. And I ask that you would help me. I ask that you would help meet this need. I ask, Lord, that you would move upon this situation. I ask, Lord, that you would guide me in this situation. I, Lord, I ask for wisdom and, and, and so and so on. God loves that. Don't ever feel like you are getting on God's nerves. That doesn't happen. Not that you're bugging God in such a way that he's just fed up with uh, this. Oh, here comes Brinson again. Oh, here comes Ben again. Oh, here, here, here comes Daniel. He got it again. He's that. No, God is not that way. He loves it when he hears from his children. I believe in my heart and my sanctified imagination. I, I'm not trying to act like I know the mind of God in this, but according to His Word, and the Psalm says that He is inclined to the heart of His children, to the cry of His children. And that word inclined, it means it kind of carries the idea of God scooping down, lowering himself because he's interested in what we're saying, what we're asking. Now, you understand I'm not speaking in the context of uh, selfishness and just asking for things to make us rich and just asking for just only pleasurable things. And you understand my heart there. God does uh, doesn't mind for us to come and ask for things that we need and even things that we want. But it's always good to qualify, Lord, I want it to be your will. 
Well, Arthur, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I have had to do that in my own life just to make sure my heart was right. I'll say, Lord, you know, <laughs> I really would love this. But God, if it's not your will, I- I'm sorry for asking. <laughs> you know, I just want my motive to be pure, honestly, because, you know, there are some things that, you know, Lord, by the, I, this would be seem like this would be just right time for this. And Lord, I. I don't know that I could say I necessarily need it, but Lord, it would be nice. And but, but God, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to ask you for that. But God, your will be done. And if this is out of your line, if this is uh, just not a good uh, for me to be praying, I'm sorry. And and the Lord is merciful like that. He's he's so patient and kind with us. He has a benevolent heart, and he's not out to find fault in us in the sense of our prayer life. He knows our hearts. He knows what we do, but the fact of the matter is God does love for us to come and ask him for things so that we might better live for him, so we might better love him and be better Christians here on this earth because of it. God wants to show his power in prayer. God wants us to come out and plead for things and, and, to, and to see his hand move upon lives and change lives. Oh, yes, asking. But then the letter Y the letter Y for pray is yield. That's where we end our prayers in the sense of saying, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. There's a spirit of yielding. Lord, my life is yours. Take me and use me, Lord, for thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. It all belongs to you, Lord. I just simply ask that you would use me for, for your glory. And and forever and ever in the name of Jesus. And so you have that line of prayer. And I encourage you to make that a habit every day. You will see your walk with God increase. You will figure and 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 uh, discover different areas that you can pray for, different ways you can pray. Uh, that is that is something that that I have found that has stretched me when I felt like felt like I've gotten a rut. Uh, have you ever thought about just going through and studying the names of God? What about all the names of Jesus through Scripture? If you don't know what those are, it's very easy to find. There are a lot of Bible helps tools on the Internet. You can just type in uh, names of Jesus, names of God, and be discerning as you go to those because you know you can get in, into some strange things too on the Internet. But nevertheless, most, most of the time you could easily find names of God that you can even pray through. Just thanking Him who, for who He is. There are many ways to, to deepen your walk with God. But it is in the heart. It's not a formality. It's not a contest. It's not a, a time to show off. No, it's just a time to be walking more intimately with our Creator and our God and our Savior and our King. And I hope that that is a priority of your life. I hope Fox News or any other news outlet or any other Internet website or social media takes precedent over your personal walk with God. I hope there's no sports. I hope there's no anything that is going to take the place of your personal walk with God. And that includes your Bible reading. That includes your prayer time. That includes Him being your priority in life. So we see here, number one, the personal walk with God. 
But number two, the second priority that I believe priority in our life should be our personal relationship with others. Our personal relationship with others, as I thought about going into 2021 and I, I said, Lord, I want to prioritize my life in a way that pleases you. And these are the, the, the things that he has given me. I hope they can be a help to you. But the first one was my personal walk with God to strengthen in that walk. But secondly, my personal relationship with others. You know, uh, notice with me in the Gospel of Luke. Just flip over uh, one book to Luke chapter 10. Look at Luke chapter 10 and notice with me. Verse number 25, you'll remember this was the, the opportunity that the, the Lord had to share this with this lawyer uh, uh, who he was witnessing to. Uh, he shared with this lawyer the, the story of the Good Samaritan. And verse 25 of uh, Luke chapter 10, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, well, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, saying, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou answerest right. This do and thou shalt live. And he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves and, and went, stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a, a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, came where he was. Wow. Something to be seen. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine and, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more than then when I come again, I will repay thee. And which now of these three thinkest thou, as Jesus said to the lawyer, was was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves in verse 37. And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And of course, I don't have time to preach all of that passage and all the beautiful truths that just resonate in this passage. But I will say this. One thing we see, Jesus defined who a neighbor is. A neighbor is are, are those who are close to us that we are able to influence, that we are able to help, that we are able to be a blessing to, that we are able to encourage. And my friend, it, that might, uh, that doesn't, no, excuse me, that's not might, that is definitely your spouse. That is definitely your children. 
That is definitely your siblings. That is definitely your neighbor who lives close to you. That is definitely your church members. Their brothers and sisters in Christ uh, here at this church at Crooked Creek Baptist or wherever you're a member. It is definitely those people who are near to you. It is parents. It is co-workers, those people that you walk by each day. And, and that is the people that God wants to be a priority in your life. To influence for the glory of God. And, and, and what kind of person are you? You could be one of those religious guys, one of those Levites uh, that, that walks by. And, and, and basically just avoids you know, I, I think about that. You, you got a couple people in in uh, in life that uh, that that tend to uh, have that sort of spirit. They're just disinterested, and and uh, they they ignore the uh, the relationships that where they could have an impact and have an influence. And they there are some that even go worse. There are some that could even cause damage. And seek to be violent and bring conflict into the person's life. But God wants us to be those type of people who take time to invest in others. Invest in your wife, husbands. Invest in knowing her and loving her and leading her. Wives, invest in your husbands. Get to know him. Learn to love him. Grow in your respect of him. Children, learn to love mom and dad. Learn to, and mom and dad, learn to love your children and build those relationships continuously. I think about the relationships in this church. Wow, how encouraging it has been to see members reaching out to members and even in times of sickness, in times of even in 2020 when we were all separated and even recently I want to thank you for those that have taken that effort to build those relationships, to make that phone call, to send that text. Hey, let that grow. Let that be a priority in your life. Listen, I don't want to go political here. I got to be careful. Because I always want to try to be careful of that. But my folks, there's not a whole lot we can do at this point. To change the outcome of the leadership of our nation. There's not a whole lot that we can do right now. We've done our part. Everyone over these past few years have done their part, whether Democrat or Republican. Over the past uh, eight years, it, 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 you probably had it go your way some, whether whatever party you're in, and you hadn't had it go your way some. But regardless, what we see right here, not that we should not continue to be faithful citizens in, in, in voting and in voicing and our hearts and in doing it in truth and, and being uh, the citizens that we need to be faithful stewards of that. My point is, is where we really change life is where we make these things the priority. You want to change America, you will change America by letting God revive you, by increasing your walk with God. How did Noah uh, uh, impact his kids? Well, he did it because he walked with God. How did Enoch and you go down the list all over the Bible? How did people change the world? They had a vibrant walk with God. 
And I want a vibrant walk with God. And not only a vibrant walk with God, but I want to change this world by investing in others. By loving my wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. I want to love my children and nurture them in the admonition of the Lord. I want to lead them to the Lord. I want to love them to the Lord. I want to invest in them. I want to invest in the church members of this church, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my neighbors. That's where I'm going to make the impact. Hardly these leaders up in Washington, they do hear our voices and we should call our, our, our legislators and senators and whatnot and our representatives. I am 100% for that and you know my heart. But my point is, is where we're going to really change life is right here. Where we're going to see God move, it's going to be in our areas of influence. Others. A personal relationship with others. You know, it breaks my heart to think that there may be some of you that I'm talking to right now. That there is an alt between you and someone else. It might be a family member. It might be a church member. It might be a neighbor that you won't even make eye contact with. And, and listen, I'm not talking to you if you've tried to make reconciliation. You understand. But if you hadn't even tried to make reconciliation, if you have not made the effort to go to that person and look that person in the eye and say, look, I love you. I want to have a right relationship with my God, walk with God, and I also want to love my neighbor as myself. I want to extend mercy. I don't want to just pass you by. I want to, to be a blessing. I don't want to go through life at, at odds with anybody. And sometimes that's uh, impossible. Uh, sometimes that's un- inevitable. But the fact of the matter is we try to make reconciliation. And to make sure we have a priority on our relationships. You know... What are we thinking about in this this coming year of 2021? I hope we're making the main thing the main thing. But then thirdly, in closing, and I think it's these two combined. What is the priority priority of life? I believe it is the personal walk with God. I believe it is the personal relationship with others. And then thirdly, I believe it is your personal responsibility to proclaim the gospel. Now. I do believe that it, the, this third one is basically one and two combined in my thinking. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty who loves us says, you will, oh, if you love me, obey my commandments. So the Lord Jesus told us, did he not, that if you love me, obey my commandments. Well, the commandment of the Lord Jesus was to go into all the world. And preach the gospel. That was his one of his commandments. There are other commandments, of course. But we can't just ignore that commandment. We can't pick and choose our commandments. In fact, it was the last commandment that Jesus gave to the church. 
The last commandment, you could say, could be our first priority. Priority. He says that this is my commandment to you. Go ye into all the world. And this is where we proclaim and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only because we're obeying, but then we secondly, I believe that sharing the gospel is showing a love to our neighbor. Wouldn't you agree? Brother Arthur was sick with cancer and and I had a I had the 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 the, the remedy, if you will. I had the cure and and I was his neighbor. I knew Arthur and I knew he was sick and I just happened to have a cure to the disease that he had. And boy, wouldn't it only make sense for me to show love if I really loved him as myself? I would take that cure and at least offer it to him. Now, Arthur, of course, would have every right to say, no, thank you. I don't believe that'll help me. And sadly, there are many that do that. But you know there will be people, spiritually speaking, when it comes to the gospel, there will be many that will say, no, thank you. And sometimes they're not that nice. But then sometimes there will be people that will say, oh, could you tell me more about this cure? What exactly is this? I, I've heard about this. And you explain the gospel that this is the cure for sin. This is the cure of your eternal damnation. It is the cure that Christ Almighty has given His precious blood for those that will believe the gospel. And that, my friend, is showing love to our neighbor. And sadly, many of us, I know I'm included in this category, we do not love God, we do not love our neighbor because we go day in and day out without any priority to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it breaks my heart. To even think about how I have neglected my responsibility many times. But I pray in 2021 that God will help us get our priority back in sharing the gospel. And even if it means embarrassment, even if it means rejection, even if it means awkwardness, even if it means inconvenience, I want to make it a priority. Because by me walking with God and loving Him first and foremost, and loving others, seeking to have a restored relationship and a growing relationship with others, I also want to have a personal responsibility of proclaiming the gospel to others. Let me ask you a question tonight. This is not for you to answer out loud. But when was the last time that you were able to personally share the gospel. I'm not talking about just handing the track. Now, that's good. We need to do that. But I'm talking about the last time you had the opportunity or took the opportunity or looked for the opportunity to, to, to share the gospel personally with someone. Now, that could mean either through a text message, through a phone call, through a social media message, messenger app. It could, it could mean a, a letter that you sit down and write. It could be a personal visit over a cup of coffee. But when's the last time that you shared the gospel clearly with someone that Jesus died for them? He rose again the third day so that they could be saved and explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I'm afraid that I would say if we did take an, an inventory, I'm afraid that if I know my own life, I would say that many of us would say it's been a while. Or if it has been recently, it hasn't been much like it should be. And so what are we going to do about that? Are we going to just say, well, yeah, it's not really a priority in my life, Pastor. What do you want me to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what I want you to do about it. I want you and me, I want us to join together and ask God in the coming weeks. In fact, I'm asking the Lord to do this in my life and in yours. In the next eight weeks, the next eight weeks, and this is this is being very uh, liberal, if you will, in the sense of the time, because I know it sh- it, most of us could do it before then. But I'd like for us to take eight weeks to seek to share the gospel with at least one person. You know, that we can either contact in some way and just share the good news that Jesus came to die for them and rose again the third day. Now, you may get it in the next week, and if that's the case, you go for one more. You go for one more, always, but always make it that for this next eight weeks, would you join me? Now, you don't have to answer out loud or anybody raise their hands in here or even you don't even have to say anything uh, there if, if, if you're at home viewing this. But what I would ask you to do is to make this commitment before the Lord. I'm asking you to do it with me. And I would love when we come back on March 14th before then, but at March 14th, perhaps we'll take some time in an evening service to talk about the opportunities that God gave us to share the gospel because it's a priority. It's a priority. And so what I would like you to do now is to take a list. You don't have to do it as I'm talking, but you may want to make a list of some people that you know you need to share the gospel with. And if the person rejects and says, no, I don't even want to hear it, you, you, you wipe the dust off your hands and your feet. You're not going to be uh, accountable to that. You keep praying for them, but you go to the next. Okay, Lord, who would it be next that I could seek to share the gospel with? Over the next eight weeks, I, I believe with all my heart, Brother Arthur, I believe that God is going to give us hundreds. If everyone in our church will participate, He's going to give hundreds of opportunities to share the gospel. And I believe over the next eight weeks, I believe with all my heart, Brother Daniel, I believe that we're going to hear some people trusting Christ as their Savior. I believe that this is a a worthy priority, don't you? Jesus commanded it. And we want to show our love to Him. And we want to show our love to our neighbors. Prioritize and execute. Now I really feel like I understand a little more when these Navy SEALs do their training. Because you know what I see? I see Christians as God's Navy SEALs. We're in spiritual warfare every day. We combat so many spiritual battles in our lives. And we are special forces for God's glory. Those of us that wake up each day with the, with the mission of serving Christ and loving Him and loving our neighbor, yes, we face it. So let's take the same encouragement that these guys gave, that I believe Jesus gave us already thousands, uh, a couple thousands of years ago, centuries ago. He said, look, prioritize, love God, love others, 
and make me known among a lost and dying world. Let's make that our focus, church. Would you pray with me?